there's something that only minority can relate to. A lot of the things when you are on the majority side, mm-hmm. you just cannot relate exactly. to the problem that, that the minority exactly. is facing. Hello, welcome to Arctic Turn, a podcast where we ask immigrants to tell their own stories. My name is Rinzi. In this very first episode, I'm very happy to receive a very good friend of mine, Rex. Hi, Rex. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. Rex and I share a very similar background together. We both grew up in China, and we both came to the United States after finishing our undergraduate studies in China. And right now, we both actually work for the same company in the United States. Rex, you are a software engineer. You just ran a half marathon, and uh, you like Western art. Is that right? Well, I'm surprised you actually caught out half marathon. That's a very spontaneous mm-hmm. thing to do. Uh, it wasn't even in my plan at the beginning of the year. I just heard about it and then I decided to participate. So, but anyhow, I think art, sports, and then software engineering are three other things that I like mm. to do. When did you come to the United States? Yeah, so I come to United States at 2010, right after mm-hmm. I graduated. Also, it's a very, I think, very impulsive decision. At the time that I decided to go, I have very limited knowledge of why I want to go and mm-hmm. then what the future will look like. It's all a mystery. Everything is just originated from a very casual conversation with me and my friend at college, where we're thinking about okay, what we want to do after college, and just the idea that he has. That we should maybe go to United States,、mm. and then this is something that I've never thought of in the college. I think my my life in the future will, is pretty、uh, determined. I think I will graduate college and then look for some stable jobs,、mm-hmm. and then、uh, just work as whatever you know、uh, my parents or the society expect that you do、mm-hmm. uh, as a normal、uh, Chinese college grads. But whenever I hear about this idea of coming to going to US, I think yeah, why not? Maybe that's a possibility that I should explore too. I also explore okay, even I decide to go to United States, what should I study? I should study computer science, or I should study some business related things.、Mm-hmm. But eventually, I think continue to study my、uh, major in college, computer science is the right thing to do,、um, and I just go down this path. Yeah.、Hmm. But luckily, I think very lucky thing is I, I go down the path of computer science, which it's a purely luck.、Uh, where you know we all see the internet boom、uh, starting around after two thousand seven, I think. iPhone was introduced, and、mm-hmm. just a giant wave of、uh, the internet things, which you know, be able to take this ride、uh, is probably one of the most lucky things that <laughs> ha- ever happened in my life.、Mm-hmm. And in terms of computer science, none of my family members actually study computer science. None of the, none of them are in the tech industry, so no one knows if I can really get a job and how the、I、job will, the condition will look like. Before you came to United States. Did you do any preparations for the culture, like for American culture, American society? In terms of culture, we have to study a lot of English、yeah. uh, language just to, you know, prepare to pass the test. In that period, and you will be touch upon a lot of the、uh, the culture things. But those are it's like you you hear the story, but you don't unless you are here, you never know、yeah. how it look like. Yeah.、Uh, so it's still very vague and then fuzzy. 
and then also in the same time, very confusing because you know we all know that U.S. is the top country in、mm-hmm. terms of、uh, economic growth, in terms of、uh, how the maturity of the society is. But as you grow up in China, they always portray uh, mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, their and their political、uh, system as、uh, opposite. So you just get very confused.、Um, <laughs> and then at that time, I think in college, I don't have a very Strong opinion and an interest in this matter, so I, I so I didn't have a lot of motivation to to you know ex- explore、uh, mm-hmm. what they really are. So in addition, I think U.S. TV shows are、mm-hmm. very popular in China. We all know about you know Friends.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that we all love to watch.、Yeah. But the surprising thing is after I come to the U.S. and then when I whenever <laughs> we talk to、uh, my U.S. friends,、yeah. they are surprised why Chinese guy all like watch、yes. Friends. Yeah, but it is a. It's not sci-fi. It's very、uh, close to kind、exactly. of daily life yeah, of yeah. U.S.、Uh, people, and then that's kind of one of the very important ways、mm-hmm. that we can learn how、uh, yeah. how living in U.S. will will be look like. Totally. Yeah. To me, like all these resources are, are invaluable in that it showed me what regular American behave, even though you know it was not entirely accurate. I still remember seeing friends and think this is exactly how Americans live.、Mm-hmm. Like they will. Laugh, and they will cry. They will show strong emotion without any reservation. That was my first impression of American way of life. What was the impression you had when you, let's say, when you, when you just landed or in your first few years? So I came to San Francisco directly and never left.、Mm-hmm. Uh, never left. <laughs> Before I came, you know, when we think about America, we always see the picture of New York City. And then when I landed, you don't see, you know, high rises. Basically, at that time, because I'm, I, I came from Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. Just look at the outside.、Yeah. <laughs> Shanghai is like way more yeah, modernized yeah. than, and the scale is just huge. That's the first impression. In, in the first couple of days, you have to hit with those real live events. Like, okay, where where you find things to、mm-hmm. food to eat,、mm-hmm. and, and then you don't have friends, and you don't you don't know one here. Yeah, yeah. You need to find friends. You need to take public transportation. So, you know, go around and see the city. It's just completely different from what I've imagined. As you as you stay longer, there there are some other things surprised me, especially on you know on the people side of things. Maybe San Francisco was not a you know a giant city like、uh, like New York City. People、mm-hmm. are more friendly to each other.、Mm-hmm. The next morning that I went out, mindlessly、mm-hmm. wandering around my house, people say good morning. Just、yeah. told completely strangers, they say good morning and they、mm-hmm. smile to you. That's the second wave of shock that I, I have. I definitely feel warm inside. As time goes,、uh, I start to get used to the life here, and then、mm-hmm. everything becomes normal. But initially, it's just shocking in different directions.、Mm-hmm. Uh, some some good, some bad. Yeah, we are also the lucky ones where、yeah. we actually arrived in the city.、Um, yeah, there are also a ton of my friend. They went to、mm-hmm. some of the very good colleges. They are in the suburban areas.、Yeah. So when they go there, there's literally nothing, nothing familiar.、Yeah. You, You familiar with when you live in China? Yeah, they have to overcome all this as well.、Mm-hmm. Uh, at least we can get Chinese、uh, yeah. grocery stores and then get some Chinese stuff.、Uh, they literally have nothing.、Uh, yeah, we're lucky. And speaking of、uh, the initial years, what are the biggest challenges, obstacles? I think the main challenges are still、uh, language and、mm-hmm. culture.、Um, mm-hmm. Even though you passed all the tests and we study. English from third grade, still be able to just talk 
uh, communicate to native speakers or even other other immigrants who has spoken uh, English for a while is still pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. The hardest part, I think, is if you you're a bunch of immigrants, you guys talk, and then it's easier to find common topics because you have the same mm-hmm. background. But whenever you join a conversation of mm-hmm. bunch of you know. Uh, my U.S. friends yeah. or Westerners, uh, the co- the topic you just can't follow at all. <laughs> Still today, sometimes I cannot follow uh, all of their yeah. uh, conversations. And then before, you know, I was probably a little shy, and then I don't want to behave like just interrupt people all the time and asking, okay, what does it mean? What does yeah. it mean? So essentially, I was quiet and uh, just smiling. Yeah. And then finishing my drink, I guess <laughs> uh, it's very awkward. But uh, yeah, this is indeed a very big challenge mm-hmm. to me. But well, you have to conquer your shyness. You just have to talk. Maybe I can't even speak English very well, but yeah. people are nice. People yeah, are very yeah. patient. That's actually what I realized too. In the beginning, I was also very insecure about my English. It's not just in social environment, but also in regular meetings. In the very beginning, I can understand 50% of the the conversation. Then gradually, I realized no one really mind if I if I make a mistake or what or anything, or if I make a grammar mistake, or if I make a pronunciation mistake. Another thing I realized that really liberated me is that they don't expect me to to be exactly like them. They don't expect me to act like an American because for a while that's what I was trying to do. That was like a big breakthrough to me. And then later on, until I guess much later when I started to learn about the immigration policies in other countries, I realized this is actually a luxury. In America, we have this unique multiculturalism. And what it means is just that it's not a melting pot. It's more like a hodgepodge where people have a rather high tolerance towards different cultures. When you come here from a new country, they, they don't demand you to be exactly the same. They don't demand you to assimilate into this culture as certain countries in Europe does. Yeah, I think not only... A luxury, actually, I think the society rewards you yeah. being yourself. Different, yeah. And then you, because, well, if you just want to be someone else, why don't they just pick that exactly. person instead of you? And then you really has to be yourself and then trying to differentiate from others and mm-hmm. then have, so that they have a reason to, to choose you. Yeah. I wonder, as compared to Chinese culture, um, to which we're both used, what are the biggest differences you find between these two cultures? There are a lot of similarities, I feel. And also there are a lot of differences. I think a lot of the differences are actually just because of the maturity of the society. Mm. I think definitely I see some of the things that China is catching up and then another the differences is getting smaller and smaller. For mm. example, attitude towards you know marriage. Coming from China, you know, people have this, at least my family and then uh, among my peers, they still think marriage is a kind of obligation. They just feel like, okay, I'm approaching, let's say, 30 years. Of course, there are also biology reasons for that as well. But they have this urgency of, I have to find someone and get Mm -hmm. married and and have a child. A lot of them, I think, is coming from, you know, this pressure from... Uh, families and the societies, people will just judge you if you already passed 30, let's say, and then you're still single and not married. They think something is wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, but here it's more liberal and it's no one really judge about, okay, you're, mm-hmm. it's so common, uh, that people at 30s, they don't get married mm-hmm. and then they don't get married for the entire yeah, their life. Yeah. 
And they're also they're not a shopping fans. They're also people they get married but still dating other people, which is <laughs> very surprising. But but I see this changing in China as well as the welfare in China is getting better. Also, the feminism in China mm-hmm. is. Um, is getting better. Women are more educated and more yeah. independent in the future. Yeah. I guess in the new generation, uh, eventually, it will be very similar. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. That reminds me of this discussion people were having about you know the key difference between the Chinese and the American culture or Chinese or Western culture is this family value. In China, I think we care about family value. A bit more, um, actually, a lot more traditionally at least than the people in the West. Uh, personally, I don't know if it's a sign of, or like the way that Western people do, where they care more about individualism is a sign of progress, is a sign of uh, superiority or not. Because personally, I don't like to say one culture is better than the other because I don't think you should judge culture that way. But given how, like you said, how the society, even the Chinese society itself, is is, is progressing towards that direction, I wonder if that is indeed. What we are going to become eventually, as as we become um, more uh, independent, as we become more free, so in the end, individualism will take over traditional values like family and all that. There is a movie that I recently watched. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The Farewell. I think I recommend it to you. Basically, it depicts the cultural clash between West and the East very well. And one of the line, which is my favorite line throughout the movie, is that in the West, an individual's life is one's own business. But in the East, an individual's life is the whole family's business. You don't live just for yourself. You live for the entire family. So every decision you make, whether it's building a family or whether it's finding a starting a career, it concerns Pretty much everyone, however big your family is. Again, I don't know if if it's more advanced or if it's less advanced than the Western value, which is I guess more straightforward and 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 benefits individual more. But at least for now, I think there is still this pronounced difference between the two. I think it will it will remain for a long, very long time. That's just built into our DNA. The Chinese style of parenthood has been there for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will vaporize.、Uh, Mm-hmm. Very soon, and I'm proud of have this、uh, family-oriented、yeah. cu- culture. I don't want it to change. If it's not there in the future, I'll be very sad.、Mm. I imagine it's easier for you know. It probably doesn't matter if if you are one of the majority, because another thing about Asian culture is that we care a lot about whether we belong to the majority group. Whether there is a strong conformism in there that we want to conform to society standard. If one is a minority, for example, if one is LGBTQ or something like that, I imagine this strong emphasis on family value will not help too much to them because you know, again, their family would expect them to follow the street or follow the herd of everyone else. So I guess it's it's a double-edged sword. You know? I think yeah, I think we human beings are essentially social creature creatures.、Mm-hmm. You can go out and do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you're still part of. A community, a, or, a group, yeah. yeah.、Um, at the very least, it's your family, and that actually empowers you to、mm-hmm. be more of yourself、uh, when you are not at home, when you are you are doing your own things.、Mm-hmm. I think in terms of an individual has to do things that 
conforms to a family's member thinking or whatever the family think you should do, I think that will be losing a lot in the future. But mm-hmm. but the basic, you know, the ties that you and you with your families, I don't see that change mm-hmm. in very soon. Um, it's probably for a good reason. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Aside from the family value, what other differences in culture have you observed? I think you've already mentioned the the expressionism, you know, yeah. individualism uh, is something that I have never very occasionally see uh, in China. Uh, I think that also baked into the education. Around the day that we start to go to school, we are educated that, okay, you have to, this is something we do. Um, yeah. So people like us do things like this. And then you should just do whatever people think yeah. you're doing. And then... Uh, whenever you are being different, they actually, it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad thing. You'll get punished. Yeah. But being here, initially, I, I even got mad. And how can you just do things that completely not taking things, you know, uh, how other people are doing into consideration? Yeah. And how can you be so yeah selfish and then irresponsible mm-hmm. to do things? Yeah. So basically, you were, you were saying the individualism or like the... Freedom of expression is, you know, ingrained in everyone's brain, basically. Again, it's a double-edged sword. You know, it empowers you. It empowers you to take actions all by yourself, to, to say things all by yourself. But, you know, on the other side, you, you may be hurting other people or you, your action always impacts other people. So is that something that you should also take in consideration? Yeah, for example, yeah. freedom of speech. Yeah. This is something that Americans... Mm-hmm. This is the fundamental right of yeah. uh, of an American Not just in American, American society, like a whole Western yeah, society, a whole like Western. That. Yes, yeah. people can speak whatever they want, mm-hmm. and then that's a good thing. Yeah. Sometimes, just like you said, double edged sword. It yeah. can be a very bad thing. And yeah. you've seen people say things that really hurt other people. Yeah. Yeah. But at the at the same time, because of this, you know, freedom, mm-hmm. a lot of the constructive criticism are being expressed. And mm-hmm. then, which actually makes everybody realize the problem faster see, and clear. This is definitely things uh, that shocks me, shocks yeah, me too. I uh, after I come here, I definitely think you know why sometimes people are too careless, but in the East, people sometimes are too careful. Mm-hmm. For example, I recently watched a, 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 a television debate uh, in France about whether we should make fun of religion. Basically, the debate is about whether we should make fun of Islam. Most of the people on the stage who are not visibly religious or minorities believe that we should make fun of religions because France, by definition, is a free country and then there is freedom of speech. So they should just say whatever they want. And if you take offense of that, that you should not come to France. That was very upsetting to me when I was watching. I was angry the whole time because if everyone has a freedom of, of, of freedom to do whatever they want, by definition, there will be no freedom for anyone. You're going to take away freedom from other people. And that is not what a civilized and democratic society is supposed to do. So I think it's essential to limit that and to basically think the impact of your action there. And it, I think this theme of debate also arises after the Me Too movement, basically, whether we can make any jokes about... Uh, the opposite sex anymore, or whether uh, flirtation is essentially a uh, offense now, or whether we're losing all those courtship things. But again, I think to me, from 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 a person of the Asian origin, I think that was obvious. Of course, if you think that's going to offend other people, that's going to hurt other people, you should not do that. But to them, it's a very fine idea. But I also like that you brought up, you know, this freedom of speech also help 
solve the problem or help help progress certain things a lot. Like for example, I can imagine I never worked in China, but I can imagine if you're in a enterprise environment, if no one is telling you, giving you uh, straightforward feedback directly, then you'll never know how well you're performing. And if you did something wrong, no one is telling you. Uh, no criticism is given, then this problem will never be solved, and everyone will just behave passive aggressively. So I think, yes, this freedom of speech also empowers people to ask or to speak up their mind, to ask tough questions, and uh, in the end, to help society together. I just think, you know, hopefully we'll be able to find a balance in the future. That's yeah. There's something that only minority can relate to mm-hmm. other minorities. Yeah. And then this is a big part of the United States, especially now, like people, that society is so emphasis on diversity and inclusion a lot of the things when you are on the majority side mm-hmm. you just cannot relate exactly. it to the problem that, that the minority exactly. is facing yeah. so you just think okay you just take everything as take them as granted and then mm. you don't feel the pain yeah. of uh, what minority yeah. is feeling so and then just even in one person if there are so many angles to that person's life that you are often majority and a minority within different segments. For example, we are male, and then mm-hmm. in terms of gender, we are majority. Mm-hmm. But in terms of race, we are still minority. <laughs> exactly. So so you have to constantly think, whenever you're making decisions and saying something, mm-hmm. okay, what are the other side of mm-hmm. uh, your group? Well, think about this. Because you are sometimes in a minority, you feel yeah. uh, hurt. That actually helps you that whenever you're in a situation of you are a mm-hmm. in a group of majorities, that helps you to develop uh, the empathy of uh, the minority that in that segment. Mm-hmm. So, am I exactly. clear? Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's the definitely the advantage of a heterogeneous society. Totally. Of course, it's harder, I think, to manage, to organize those mm-hmm. those groups. But if things are doing right, the power is phenomenal. It's like the, what they say about the team management, you want to have a diverse team. It's the same thing. There's a study, I think, from a Harvard Business Review that shows that when you have a team of diverse people, it, it is very difficult to manage in the beginning. People will have different opinions. There are a lot of conflicts and a lot of misunderstanding. But like if you try to work towards a mutual understanding, this team is always stronger than the team of homogeneous people. I think that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a difficult. And that's why I think the immigration policy, or at least the immigration ideology in America, is a very noble cause, even though it's it's very hard. And then history is proving, like right now, like in America, we're we're seeing that it is hard to do, even mm-hmm. for America, for a young country like this. But at least I'm glad that we we are pursuing this route versus certain countries in Europe, for example. What they believe is that if you're immigrant, you should just behave like us. For that, I suppose it's, it's much easier for the for the native, um, you know, for the for locals, because they don't need to change anything for them, uh, because you are demanding the other side to change. Whereas in America, I feel like I'm not a majority, but I feel almost like we're demanding the majority to to change, to adapt, to to be more tolerant to to us, to people who are different from them, which I think is, is a as an immigrant, a minority, certainly, I, I appreciate that greatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Speaking of, we're talking about America a lot. And then for, for China, for example, like, um, do you feel a certain disconnection with your peer in China, given that you've been here for nine years? Mm, definitely there are a lot of disconnections mm-hmm. in terms, but mostly focused on the daily life thing. Mm. I'm more and more less concerned about the Monday daily life things that I used to talk about with my friends, uh, like, for uh, example, like yeah. restaurant, uh, food and, uh, uh, commute. 
a lot of conversation about those before. Um, I'm less care about uh, here. Why do you think that's the case? It's just that I have more things to focus on in in the U.S. and mm. uh, uh, I just don't worry about those anymore. But do you think your peer also have more things to worry about, or like to care about, like you, like in China, just different time, different space? Yeah, yeah I think my peers, you know, they live in China and then they have to catch up on a lot of the thing, new things that happen in China too, because they they literally live there. Right. Uh, also, a lot of my uh, peers, they are. You know, also in their thirties, they start to have family, they have、mm. kids, and then their life focus is shifted from themselves to the family and then their kids. And then I don't have a kids. I see. So, so a lot of the conversations, I'm not, I cannot actually participate.、Mm. So usually, when I whenever I go back to China, we sit in the same table, and then I usually am the person, the only person that don't have kids.、Mm. And、uh, basically, the whole conversation is around I'm listening and、yeah. listening to all the kids、yeah. topic that <laughs> other people are talking about. I think it's important to know that your age is、uh, in China is very common to have a family already, but in the US is actually very common to not have a family. So that's that's probably the difference. Yes. So the disconnection, I think, definitely happens, but I don't think. There are any fundamental disconnection between me and my peers in China. I feel that whenever I go back, if I want to catch up, I can catch up very quickly.、Mm-hmm. Just because you know, I grew, I born and raised there for twenty-ish years. Yeah,、uh, we still share the common value, and then we still we are the same generation. We see things very similar. It's just that now I live here and they live there. I have my focus,、mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the daily conversations has、okay. been changed. I think. What really strikes me every time I I listen to my peers of my age or even people younger from China、uh, speak is that despite the fact that we have this you know great Chinese firewall where we have this very strict rule of access information outside of China, despite all that, I'm still struck by the、uh, advancement or liberalism of the mind of the young people in China. It's like all these things don't really exist. It's like if you want to. You know, get over the Chinese Great Firewall. There's always a way to do that. For example, both of you and I were listening are listening to this Chinese podcast called Story FM, and their stories just constantly remind me of, despite this very different political environments, we are actually not that different. Our mind is not limited by our political region. I think that is something that has always blown my mind. Yeah, I think if you zoom out and just look at the big horizon, definitely the the world. The world is getting flatter, especially、mm-hmm. after internet, especially in mobile internet, where informations can flow anywhere instantly. People get to learn each other a lot, a lot, a lot better than、yeah. before. On that level, U.S. people and Chinese people we are learning from each other a lot more, and then we are getting closer a lot more.、Mm-hmm. Um, second thing is there are just many, many more people they go abroad now.、Mm-hmm. They actually see even though you have great firewall to to block the internet, but still you can still go abroad and you see how other part of the world、yeah. uh, looks like.、Totally. Everyone becomes more mobile. Which、uh, definitely advance their、yeah. thoughts and behaviors. Yeah. What worries me, and also what you know motivated me to do this podcast from the very beginning is how Chinese people are being perceived in the in the West. You know, like whenever China is being talked about in the media, or at least in the U.S. media, it's almost always negative.
So it's almost natural to assume the Chinese people are busy like that. That you know they live in a very strict political regime. They can think for themselves. They can think critically. They can think independently. They don't have enough rights.、Um, they don't know what's going on outside. So it's almost too easy to just assume that. But whatever that the, all the evidence that I've seen is exactly the opposite. You know, you can't define a group of people that along a country is so large just by its political stand. Let alone that to many Chinese, government is something that's not that important in their daily life. So people still have liberty to think, even though they may have restriction to express their thoughts. But at least they can still think very liberally. So that's something that I think is important to educate people not to generalize. Any group of people, not just Chinese, just to reduce them into caricature. That is, that cannot be further from the truth. Yeah, I think people just—it's a natural tendency that to think that people just live the way that、yeah. you are. When you see other people from other part of the world doing something, you have to consider this into the local context.、Mm-hmm. Why this is happening? Is it?、Yeah. You have to really understand before making judgment. For example, there was an article on New York Times where. They talk about the sweatshops in China. People are earning very minimal wage there, and then they work day and night. And、mm. then the tone of the article is very negative.、Mm. But if you if you really go and understand what the situation is, if they don't have this job, yeah, they are out of they are out of job. They don't they have no income, and then this is the best they can find. But as a U.S. standard, okay, how can you pay? Let people work day and night, and、right. then pay even less than minimum wage.、Mm-hmm. Sure, it's always easier said than done.、Yeah. Um, this is the best way that you can take care of these people at this、yeah. at, at this point. And then you have to believe that in the future, well, the situation will get better. But you can't just apply all of the problem that in China、mm-hmm. or other part of the country in the frame of a U.S. standard.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy to to. Forget that, to be honest, from a U.S. point of view, because you know, given this economic growth, China is pretty much on par with the U.S. So it's easy to forget that, from a historical, from a cultural, or societal point of view, we're still probably a few generations behind the U.S. At least that's my opinion. It is a little, I suppose, unfair to judge us by the same standard that you would expect people from a developed country to behave. Yeah.、Mm. Yeah, so I think I think one of the big advantage that you, you just asked me and I forgot to mention that I come to US is just try to understand the problem in multiple angles. You build this empathy of how other people would think、yeah. about this. It's not just like take everything as granted and、yeah. do your always do your own way,、right. but you think more about how it is perceived by other people,、mm. how to do things in a more considerable way.、Mm. Totally, because China is still a very homogeneous society, right? There, there is little diversity. Well, they are foreigners, but at least to me, they seem like they are not that relevant in China. You know, they have their own circle. They socialize within themselves almost. So, at least to me, there is little diversity. Yeah, actually, this is happening in China too. Especially,、mm-hmm. well, I'm from Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. It's a big city, but there、yeah. are a lot of you know people from the suburban area.、Mm-hmm. They Uh, they go to the city for work, and then、mm-hmm. there are big clash、yeah. between、uh, people in the in the city、yeah. versus those people. It's hard to say who's right and who's wrong. People living in the city, they don't think they are what they are saying and they are doing is is anything wrong.、Mm-hmm. People from the countryside, they are living their 
life. They just move their lifestyle from a suburban area to the big cities.、Yeah. Uh, they don't think they are doing anything wrong.、Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to be more tolerant to each other. Educate.、Totally. It takes time. It happens in the U.S. before in your cities in、mm-hmm. a lot of places. It's happening in China too. So zooming out, if you take take a long term view on this, I think eventually it will be eventually it will it will work out.、Mm-hmm. Um, Completely. Okay, just to end this podcast, I have two remaining questions for you. The first is, within your almost decades of experience as an immigrant in America, what are the things, or what is the thing that you learned the most?、Mm-hmm. Or if you need to give advice to someone who is just about to embark the same journey, granted it's a different time, but yeah. So yeah, so when before I came, I sort of take a lot of things as granted,、mm-hmm. and I think okay. I'm supposed to go to college, and then after graduate, I should find a stable job and get、mm. married, and have kids, and then just so on and so forth.、Uh, but coming here, you know, as an immigrant, because everything is new, and、mm. then that really I think sparked my curiosity、uh, mm-hmm. about everything that is happening, even some of the very trivial things. Which is different from what I've experienced in China. You start to、uh, be curious about why this happening and start to learn how it becomes the way it is doing. For example,、I'll、give you a very simple example.、Yeah. I just came from my dentist appointment.、Mm. If you think about teeth and dentists, two countries we take a completely different approach to this. In China, it's a very socialized where. Dental is just a part of the big hospital. You go to the hospital, see a dentist. You don't really care which dentist it is. People don't take care of their teeth as serious as people here. This is the first thing. Second thing is you don't see dentists in big hospitals. It's all like small shops. They are operated、uh, individually, and then each of the dentists they are they work as their own boss basically. So why is this different? So you start to dig into the history of how dentists become the dentists today in the U.S., and then you really get to know you know how the sausage is getting made. Because if you stay in China, everything is already. Too familiar to you, like even if it's something that you don't know much, like why hospitals are structured as way in China, but you will never ask this question because you never see how they structure the other way. Exactly. So if you look into the dentist history, it's the same as other、mm-hmm. business ventures. Those are entrepreneurs doing dentistry procedures by themselves, and then there's an organization trying to protect this industry and then come up with rules and then standards、mm-hmm. for the for the dentist, and they marketing themselves. They start to Have dentistry journals in China. It's a completely different. It's just part of the hospital. Yeah, no yeah. one will say, "Okay, you are a dentist." They they see you differently. But here, if you're a dentist, they think your social status is definitely a lot higher. I think relatively to、uh, to what a dentist in China is. You learn a lot of history of those things and how how it evolves. That really helps you to you know understand this world. Better and then helps you to apply what you have learned to your own business or your own career. If I were still in China, I don't think I'll be motivated to learn how、yeah. the world operates、totally. as what I'm doing. Basically,、now. it's important to to be exposed to a foreign environment, expose yourself to a foreign environment when you're young、yeah. and when you're still open-minded. Yeah, of course. The other thing I want to mention is, well, being an immigrant, I'm prone to learn the story of other immigrants,、mm-hmm. and then I often got inspired by those stories, which in turn I think made me a better person. For example, the early Chinese、mm-hmm. uh, when they initially when they came here for gold rush or、mm-hmm. building the railway, 
they really want to pursue a better life, but in turn being treated very difficultly. But it makes them more united, and they make them more hardworking, and then they thrived uh, yeah. regardless. Essentially, you think you're part of the immigrant. You'll be proud of being an immigrant. You have no legacy here that help you success. Everything has to be made by you by yourself. It makes you more hardworking, and then it makes you more optimistic. I think I、uh, to feel more empowered. To be yes.、Yeah. Do you think you will ever leave America? When I came here, it was a very, I think, reckless decision.、Mm. Uh, I didn't think too much about the consequences.、Mm. Uh, definitely, there are more、uh, responsibilities, and then the opportunity cost is also a lot higher.、Mm-hmm. So, will I leave U.S. one day?、Um, possibly, but it will be more. Like career focus,、uh, career is a big part of my life right now. So if the career requires me to leave, I won't say that the U.S. is the place I will never leave. Although I think I'm very optimistic about U.S.'s future and also China's future too. But、uh, be able to live in the U.S. gave me a lot of confidence to live in other civilized、uh, society as well. So. Yeah, it's a possibility, and that includes going back to China too. Going back, yeah, China is definitely one of the very high possibilities. Regardless, China is still the place that that I, that I born and raised,、yeah. and、uh, I think it's always my home. Cool. Well, thank you, Rex. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Oxy Turn. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and other major platforms. Our website is. Arctic Turn Dust Studio. See you next time.